Anyway, if you are still in John 14, that's where we're going to be this morning. I'm so excited and thrilled um, just to open up this text. Um, It has done a number on my heart this past week, and I'm excited and hopeful that um, the truths here and promises will will encourage your heart and, and do God's work there as well. Um, It starts with, let not your hearts be troubled. And later it says, and neither let them be afraid. How does that phrase strike you? I say to you, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. If I said that to my wife, she'd say, sweetie, you're always trying to fix me. (laughs) Sometimes I just need you to sit, right? Just hang out, right? Just listen. Don't say a bunch, just love me. Right, but when you hear those words coming from Jesus, how do they strike you? Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. It's a remarkable statement. And, And one of the reasons that this passage has been doing a number on my heart is because I've been struggling to believe it. Really? No trouble in this heart? No trouble in your heart, no fear, complete peace. It sounds um, too good to be true, Um, but yet it's coming straight from the word and the mouth of Christ. And so um, we dive in. I'm going to be working through this entire chapter, so I should probably giddy up. Um, But I'll go ahead and start in the beginning. Thank you, Matt, for reading that whole thing. Um, He didn't think he could do it, but he got it. I had to wrestle him to try to read the whole thing. But thank you, Matt. You've set us up so that we can just dive in. So he says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He says, believe also in me. In my father's house, there's many rooms. If it wasn't the case, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and will take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Jesus said, or Thomas said, sorry, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Um, So the first question that I'd like to ask and hopefully answer is, who is Jesus and what is he doing? Right? Who is Jesus and what is he doing? Right? And, And this passage he says, believe in me, I'm God. Right, so we'll start there. Jesus is claiming yet again, he says, I and the Father were one. And later he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Don't you love those words? He says, I am the path to God. Right? I'm God's life and I'm God's message. And he says, unless it's through me, you are, you're not getting there. And he, he, he asserts that he is the exclusive route to God's presence. And I say God's presence specifically because sometimes, even in answering this question, who is Jesus and what is he doing? Um, Jesus is the Son of God and he's getting me to heaven. That is a, a true statement if you're in Christ and if you've been born again, right? But so much more than just knowing Jesus is the Son of God and you're going to heaven. One of the things that Jesus says, he says, you can be reunited with the presence of God. Right? And that's what was lost in the garden, 
right? We think maybe, you know, they didn't get to, you know, enjoy the feast of good food and get to, you know, name the animals and just this, this wonderful place, right? That was, that was a side effect, right? The side effect of being in union with God and in God's very presence. Um, but the exciting part is that they got to walk in the cool of the day with God. Isn't that an amazing thought? God was with them. They were with God. No separation. And sometimes, a lot of times at Calvary, we, we end our message, our service by inviting those who don't know Jesus to come. And I'd like to just start with that because that's where Jesus is at. And he says that if, if anyone in this room has been separated from God because of their sin, and sin does separate, if there's any distance between you and God, you're feeling that pain in your life. One way or another, you're feeling the effects of a sin-cursed world. You may not call it a sin-cursed world. You may call it bad vibes, not getting what you want, right? But we're in a sin-cursed world. Things are broken. Life hurts. Right? We all have things that trouble us. And one of the most troubling things this morning is that there are some people in this room who don't know Jesus. And they don't know that he's prepared a place. They don't know that he's coming back. And they don't know that that's just not a, that's not a catch-all. Well, whenever he comes or if he exists or one day maybe, I'll get there, right? I don't know what comes at the end of life, but I'll just fade into something happier than this one. The good news of Jesus Christ is that to anyone who believes in this room right now, Jesus can be and is the way, the truth, and the life. So I just want to ask you, what vehicle are you using to get to God? Well, you're like, I don't even believe in God, Jeremy. So find me after, I'd love to talk. Right, but what vehicle are you using to get to God? If it's any vehicle other than Christ himself, it's not going to work. It's not going to get there. If it hasn't broken down, it will break down. Like every other vehicle that I've tried to use in my relationship to get close to God, right? It gets about 30 miles per hour and then it just clunks. Because there's no vehicle that can get you into the presence of God. And back at union and back in that sweet space of being his than Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And I invite you to come to him. And as we keep on reading... We have, we have a question here, and Philip actually says to him, he says, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. He says, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So I want to add one more vehicle to the list. It could be a vehicle of good deeds. It could be a vehicle of just looking charming and being a nice person. The vehicle of, ah, it'll all work out the end. That's how I'll get to God. But another vehicle is actually proximity to Christ. And did you know that proximity to Christ is not salvation? Being close to Jesus is not being Jesus's. And, and Philip was, was firsthand. He had, been, he had been with Jesus all along. And he says, if you just show us the Father, just give me one. I got one ask, right? Just give me one. Show us the Father. And I don't know, he may not have asked as a skeptic. He may have just asked as, he's like, I just want to see the Father. Right? But there might be one thing that you're asking from God this morning. Give me that and I'll be good. It's probably the thing that's in the way of you and eternal life with God. 
And, and for Philip, he had been with Jesus and he, he asked this awful question to which Jesus very clearly says back, he says, Philip, how long have you been with me? And he still don't get it. And those are the ones that I'm talking to this morning when I invite you to come. There may not be anyone who came off the street this morning. Maybe you've never been here. This is your first time. It is. So glad to have you. All right, but some of you may have been sitting here for, for years or sitting in a church for years. You've heard sermons longer than I've been alive and you still don't know Jesus because proximity to Jesus is not the same thing as being his. So I invite you to come. I, like I said, I wanted to start with that. That's what we're all about. We want to see people come and know Christ. Um, what are some of the things that Jesus is doing? Let's dive into the rest of this text. Um, so one of the things it says is he's going to prepare a place, right? That's a, that's a wonderful promise that brings us extreme hope. This is not home. Amen? All right. That was pretty good. I was going to make some snide comment, right? This is not home. This is not the end. The best is yet to come. Like Jesus is preparing a place and he says, if I go to prepare a place, would I tell you that if I'm not going to come back and get you and I'm going to bring you to myself? All right, that's a promise to live by. That's exciting. Jesus says, so I can be with you and you can be with me forever. Right? He has the same definition that I used about eternal life earlier. It's not just, yeah, you'll get into heaven. I know how, I know, I know how to get in. I got the keys. He does. Right? But he's like, you can be with me. You can live with God forever. You can come back to the garden and we'll walk in the cool of the day and it'll be fantastic. Loosely paraphrased. Right? So Jesus says, don't you know that I am the father? We're one. Uh, look, at, look at verse 11. It says, believe that I am in the father and the father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. So that's some of the things that Jesus had been doing up to this point. Read verse 12 and 13 with me where he gets intriguing. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the father may be glorified in the son. Have you ever wondered what is Jesus doing? Like, did he mess up? Like he, he came, he lived a perfect life and then he died. And you're like, okay, I get that part. And I understand that was necessary and I understand that he, he, he rose again and thus offered life to all mankind, right? But what's he doing? You might wonder, is he coming back? Is he preparing a place? One of the things that Jesus himself says that he's doing, he says, I've been all about these good and gracious works my whole life. And he's intent on carrying out those good works through us. You may ask yourself in the middle of the week, why am I here? And if you're in Christ, it's so that you can carry on his mission. It's so that you can complete the work that he began. He says something amazing, right? I said, like, this passage has been just, it's been ripping me apart because I don't understand a lot of it. And it says, greater works than what I did, you will do. It says, because I'm going to the Father. And he says, whatever you ask in my name, I'm going to do it. All right, we're going to talk a little bit more about what that means next week when we talk abiding in Christ and praying like that. Right? But what Jesus is saying that I've done good works of, of healing. I've brought um, blind men their sight. 
I brought um, the use of the legs to the lame. I came to pronounce good news to the poor and release captives from prison and bring in the year of the Lord's favor. And you are too. He says, and these good works, I'm going to actually live vicariously through you. Have you ever heard of someone living vicariously through their children? Usually in a negative context. And usually the angry guy at the sports game can't quite do what his son's doing on the field, but he's like, yes, right? Live vicariously through someone usually has a negative connotation, right? But when it's Jesus living vicariously through someone, right, I can get on board with that, right? Jesus says, I am going to live my life through you. So ask big. Like I said, we're going to talk a little bit more about what that looks like. We're not going to dumb down the promise, I'm not going to try to put guardrails that scripture doesn't put on there. But when Jesus says that, he says, ask whatever you want in my name. I'm going to be pleased to do my work through you. So that's what Jesus is doing. One of the other things that he goes on to give is the spirit. So I want to ask that question as well. Who is the spirit and what does he do? So go ahead and keep reading with me. Verse 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I'll ask the father... And he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. It neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you'll live. And that day you will know that I'm in the Father and you in me and I in you. All right, so who is the spirit? The word that Jesus uses to describe the spirit is helper. And that's just a fantastic term, right? That's, the, that's what we all want in the workplace. That's what we all want in life. That's what we all want in perhaps it's a marriage or a relationship, a helper. And it's amazing that he describes um, the very spirit of God as a helper. And he says he's the helper because we're defining who he is. But also verse 17 says, even the spirit of truth. So the spirit loves to help, but the spirit also loves truth. And he loves to remind us of truth. And we're going to see a little bit more about that in a minute. But one of the things I want to draw about the word helper is uh, you've maybe heard the word in the original language. It's, it's paraclete, right? It could be used as helper, advocate, counselor, but whenever you think of an advocate, what comes to mind? Right. I think of mama. Right. Someone who's just always in your corner, fighting for you. Doesn't matter what's against you. Right. You can do it. Right. An advocate could be a nurse. Could be a, a, a doctor that's rooting for you and your health. It could be a friend. That it doesn't matter what happened last week when you meet um, and get lunch together. They're just, they're for you. Right. That's who the spirit is and that's what the spirit does. And I I think it's no mistake that Jesus describes him as the spirit of truth because there are a lot of lies. Am I the only one that hears just a load of lies every single week? Right, so one of the things that the spirit does as an advocate in answering this question, what does he do? He's a spirit of truth. In chapter 17, Jesus says, sanctify them in their truth. Your word is truth, right? So the spirit takes the the truth of God and and brings it to bear on our lives to tell us who we are. 
I'm convinced that's what the Spirit loves to do. And I don't know what kind of lies you've been listening to, and I don't even know if you've bought in and you've started to believe them. Sometimes it's hard to know. But Satan is a liar. And he, he loves to twist things and he loves to slander and he loves to take something that's even good and, and make it perverted and change it. And he'll say to you and he'll say to me, did God really say that? Does God really want that? Is God really good? He might be telling some of the moms in this room, you are an awful parent. You can't take care of your kids because your house will wreck, Right? Because you're always so busy. Because the, the pile of laundry is endless. Right? Satan would love for you to get into a mindset, I'm not worthy. I'm a failure. Right? That's a lie. If you're in Christ, you are God's. And one of the things as my goal this morning is that the helper would come and that he would speak those things over you and that he would announce the truth in your life and in mine. Maybe you're a guy in here and you think that whatever amount of money you make equals how good you are and why people should respect you, right? That is a lie, right? That's a lie telling us, well, if I just work hard, if I just keep going, if I just earn the bucks, then I can provide for my family. I can be everything that God intended me to be. A plus B does not equal C in that equation, right? That's a lie that doesn't secure who you are, that doesn't define your worth, and that doesn't give you mission, right? It might be one of the things that God's using, and he's going to redeem those things. And I'm not saying that um, finishing the load of laundry or working hard is a bad thing. What I'm saying is Satan could take these things and he could make them who we are, make them our identity. And he can tell us that we are orphans. Whenever Jesus is saying exactly the opposite. And if your life is anything like my life, I live in an orphan mentality most of the time. Read verse 18 with me. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. Do you operate from a scarcity mentality? Are you afraid that you have to gobble up as much as you can of God's grace this week because you're not sure that it's going to be there the next week? Do you prop yourself up with quiet time or time in the word or uh, really good sounding prayers because you're trying to garner some kind of favor with God for him to look at you and for him to love you? How often do you and I live with an orphan mentality that we are lost, that we're abandoned, and that we're all by ourselves, that, that Jesus has simply left us on our own. Right, that's a lie. It is not true. And one of, the, one of the things that the Spirit loves to do is he loves to expose those lies and tell us exactly who we are in Christ, sons and daughters. Um, let me read for you um, Romans chapter 8, familiar to most of you, I would imagine. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in, in fear. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we're God's children, 
We are heirs indeed. We share with the sufferings of Christ and we'll also share in his glory. I don't know how many of you that might be your experience. Maybe you, you were orphaned as a child. I don't know how many of you maybe experienced foster care or even in it right now. And so I don't say any of this lightly, but I want to use the same illustration that Jesus did. Whenever you think of an orphan, you think of someone who's alone, possibly abandoned. You think of someone who has no resources. You think of someone who's scared. And rightfully so. Because the, the people that were intended to help them and provide for them and care for them and make them safe aren't there anymore. But Jesus says, not so among my people. The father says, those are my kids. I do not want them to operate their lives as orphans. I once heard a story about an orphan who, who had come from, I can't remember where to be honest with you, but where the, the food was so scarce and the meals were so sporadic um, that whenever this child finally got adopted, the, the family was loving and kind. And of course, they wanted to give this child everything that they could give him. But they would, they would feed him and they would put him in his, his high chair and they'd give him food. And he would eat a little bit whenever he was there. But the majority of the time was spent um, stuffing his pockets and, and hiding the food away. Because this child had been so used to fighting for, for his, his food, fighting for his worth, getting something, having provision, that he had just learned what I had described earlier, just a scarcity mentality that he was just he was stuck, stuffing it away so that he could have some later. And the parents that I heard the story from just said that it, it took years, took years for this child to come to grips that they could count on three good meals and some snacks in between and a safe place to sleep and a safe place to call home. And I, I would suggest and I would, I would take a guess that your life is much the same. You've been adopted, but you don't quite feel it yet or you don't quite know it yet. You're not quite sure of it yet. And so you might still be enjoying scraps. You might still have this idea that is God really that good? Is he really that for me? Does God really want to be with me? Does God really love me? And one of the things, and this is what I'm, I'm trying to explain, is one of the things that the Spirit does. He comes to that orphan child and he comes to my, my heart and yours and he says, you're safe. You're home. You're protected. You don't have to scrounge. You don't have to save. You don't have to, to have pockets of depending on things in your life. You don't have to have pockets of sin or addiction or pleasure just because you don't know whenever you're going to have it again and gonna, you want to enjoy it while you got it. Right? He says, you're mine and you'll be mine forever. And that's one of the ways that he described the spirit. He says, the spirit will come and he'll be with you forever. Let's go ahead and keep reading. He says in verse 21, is where we left off. He says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And Judas, make sure they know, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? So, Judas, not Iscariot, it's like I said, I don't understand. You're saying that you're going to be with us. You're saying that you're going to be in us. 
But whenever you show yourself and the Father to the world, like, how are we going to see you? And they're not. Right? He said, if, if they haven't believed in Christ, if they haven't followed Christ, loved him, and obeyed his commandments, then they won't actually be able to receive the, the Spirit. So he's like, how are you going to show yourself to us and not to them? Right? You can clearly see there's still gaps. And he's trying to figure out, what is this going to look like? Is it going to be like an invisible Jesus? And like some of us are aware of his presence and some of us aren't. And this is how Jesus goes on to answer him. 23. If you haven't caught on to this theme of if anyone loves me, he keeps my commandments. Right, that's the third time. I think there's going to be another one. Right, Jesus is just saying that if you, you love me, if you claim to love me, your life's going to prove it by obeying me. And we'll talk about more of that next week. But he says, if, you, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. That was in verse 23. Verse 24 says, whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then he goes on to talk about his peace. But I just wanted to stop there as our last answer to this question. Right? I mentioned that he's the spirit of truth, but one of the things that the spirit loves to do is he loves to spotlight Christ. He's more passionate about that than anything. A one theologian called him the, the self-facing spirit. He's never about himself. He's deflecting you could even say praise and glory in honor of and in spotlight to the Messiah, King Jesus. And perhaps that's one of the reasons that we haven't heard as much about the Holy Spirit as we should. But one of the, maybe one of the reasons practically is that the Holy Spirit said, or Jesus said, he's going to come and he's going to talk about me. And the Spirit is, is that person. I'm not going to call him the annoying kid in elementary school. But the Holy Spirit is that person who's like, hey, and did you look at Jesus? And hey, look at Jesus' life. Oh, and do you remember the message about Jesus? And do you remember whenever Jesus said this? And do you remember whenever Jesus said that? And do you remember that Jesus is doing this in your life and he's doing that in your life? Right, the Spirit is, is on it. He is so excited to, to proclaim Jesus' truth to us. And I think there's an immediate application to the disciples who are hearing this said one of the things that they're going to be able to remember all the things that Jesus said to them. And that was a supernatural, supernatural gifting of the Holy Spirit so that they could write their letters and um, the epistles and they could um, write the New Testament. I think that's one application of that. But it is no stretch to say that the Spirit does the same thing in our hearts. Right? He teaches us and he brings to mind all the things of Christ. He loves to tell us, Jesus Jesus, Jesus. He loves to take truth and pack it into our hearts to speak over us our identity, to speak over us the promises, and to speak into us the presence of God. I'm going to go ahead and skip one slide because I want to go ahead and share with you the big idea. Um, I'd be honored if this made it into your conversation over lunch or if you jotted it down and revisited it later this week or somehow had a conversation about this further. Um, but what I think the point of this passage is, take heart, Christ has not left you as orphans. But rather, he has left his spirit 
And that spirit communicates to us the promises, the presence, and the peace of God. The spirit is eager to remind us, hey, he said he's going, he's coming back. I know this is troubling you, but don't worry, the one who is in you is greater than the world. He takes the promises of God and he he pushes them into our thinking. He pushes them into our heart and he reminds us what is true. What did Jesus say? He also communicates to us the presence of God. I hope you caught what Jesus said. He said, we will come and we will make our home in the person who loves and obeys God. And how will the father and the son make their home in the children? They're going to do so through the Holy Spirit and through his role. And so a couple weeks ago, we talked about how the Spirit was a a river of living water. Here it says that the Spirit makes you God's home, makes you feel God's presence, makes you understand that God is with you all throughout the week. So I just want to pause and ask, is that your experience? Do you know the Spirit in your heart like that? How many promises do you hear or do you understand or recall? Do you have an awareness of God's presence throughout the week or just whenever you're singing with a bunch of other people? And do you experience the peace of God that actually ushers trouble and fear from out of our hearts? If not, I invite you and I have the, the same three Roadblocks, could I call them that, as I did a couple weeks ago? If you're not experiencing that, it could be sin, it could be stubbornness, or it could be skepticism. It could be a sin that you're, you're enjoying in your home and in your heart, and you've held on to that sin um, so long and furnished your home with that, um, that you're actually hindering and grieving the Holy Spirit and his access, if you will, or his, his I don't want to say ability, but his, his power in your life. Um, It also could just be skepticism, right? Are you sitting there like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When's lunch? Right? Do you actually believe Jesus' words that he wants to make his home in you? Not somebody else. Not the guy to your left. Not the gal to your right. In you. He wants to make his home. That's amazing. That's good news. That's whenever I described the gospel earlier, I was trying to, to emphasize that it's the very presence of God. Can you, can you believe that, that some of us in this room, myself included, on a weekly basis are not actually enjoying the, the everlasting life that God has given us? The oneness that God wants us to have with him we're not experiencing? Just because we don't know and love and understand the Spirit's work in our hearts. And maybe through sin or skepticism or just stubbornness. We're like, yeah, I like all the other parts of my life just fine. Thank you very much. I liked my home and how it was before you found it. Thank you very much. That sounds like you're going to come in and do some renovations. <laughs> I'm all right. That might be how our hearts are sounding. And the spirit wants to come and he wants to help. He wants to advocate. He wants to communicate to us the promises, the presence, and the peace of God. Um, I keep mentioning the peace of God, um, and that's going to be found in the last part of this section as we wrap up. But before we dive into Jesus telling him that he's leaving peace to his people, I wanted to tell you guys a story uh, about Diesel. Not the fuel. Um, He was a little kiddo 
that was at um, a camp that I volunteered at last year, and I'm actually doing it again this summer. It's called Pieces of Me Camp. And it's Pieces of Me Camp because it helps um, kids who have been adopted to process their story, um, what they've been through, what they've experienced, and helps them piece together uh, what God's doing now and their, their identity and um, their gifts, their personality, quirks, and just the things God's used them to, to make them a masterpiece. It's a really cool camp. But one of the things we did at Pieces of Me Camp, and one of the things I had the privilege to do with Diesel, he's this eight-year-old boy, is the Band-Aid game. And the Band-Aid game is whenever you identify inside hurts, but then you put a, a Band-Aid on the outside like it's an outside hurt. You, know, you get to explain to the kids, like, you know how we, you know, we get scrapes and bruises, we fall down, right? Something hurts. Um, same thing happens on the inside, right? You just can't see it. And it usually lasts longer, and it's, it's more than... Um, more than just a couple of days to get over. their inside hurts that take a, a lifetime to, to get over or to process or to heal. Is that resonating with anybody? Right, so I'm talking to Diesel about this. I'm like, okay, buddy, let's, let's talk about some of your, your inside hurts. And then you get to place a Band-Aid on like their arm just to represent um, what that was. And so he's voicing some of these things and I'm sharing too. But one of the first things I said, I said, so what, what's one of your inside hurts, buddy? And he said, he said, I, I really just want to, I just want to see my mom. If anyone knows me, you know that I'm already in tears at this point. Um, so I'm like, you know, I hate that buddy. You know, it's not really a time to, you know, I'm not like trying to, you know, just dive in with a bunch of truth. I'm just like, you want a Peppa Pig Band-Aid? <laughs> He's like, Star Wars is good. I was like, oh yeah, sorry. I should have known. Put the Star Wars Band-Aid on, right? And then I share uh, about some of my story and... That could take forever, right? I didn't with Diesel, you know, but I shared something from my life and he did a, he did a Band-Aid. And then, and then round two, I was like, you have any other inside hurts? And he's like, yeah, my dad, I want to see him too. Okay, buddy. Get the Band-Aid. Like, Star Wars again. Yeah, okay, put it on. I share one of mine and then we go for the, the third one and he says, and you know, he said, one of the things that really hurts I don't know if I'm ever going to see him. I don't know if they, they're out there and they're looking for me and they just can't find me. I don't know if I'm going to, I'm going to, I could be, he's like, I'm, I'm eight now. I could be 16. What if I live to be 16 and I still have And I was a wreck. So forget the band-aids, Diesel. Can I get you an ice cream cone? Or like, what do you need? Like, I'll give you anything at this moment. What do you need? He said, yeah, he said, sometimes I give him a call on the phone. I was like, okay, I missed something. I thought you said you've never met him. And he said, well, he said, it's not a real phone call. He said, I just call him and I just pretend. And he said, and he looked at me and he said, he said, don't worry. He said, I'm not crazy. He said, I just want to talk to my parents. And the only reason I share that story it's not to, to take his story and I'm not trying to share too much of it or I'm not trying to belittle anyone who's, like I said, either been through foster care or been adopted. But I tell you that story because I believe that the Holy Spirit is the one with the band-aids. I believe that the Holy Spirit comes to us and says, where does it hurt? 
What's the trouble? Where's the fear? And we say, whatever it may be, and we've got a host of, of things in this room that are filling our hearts with all kinds of trouble and fear. Some of you have known anxiety so long that you're like, where do I start? Where do I begin? I've got so much in my heart that troubles me and that I'm afraid of. I don't even know if there's enough band-aids in the world. Some of you, it's an addiction that you just cannot get over. For some of you, it's, it's maybe a, a dependency on alcohol or caffeine or sex, a dependency on anything else than God. And the spirit says, what hurts? You're like, that hurts. I don't know what it is. I could try to give a million examples and I still wouldn't hit yours right. What's troubling your heart? Where are Satan's lies? That's not the most important part. The most important part is that the Holy Spirit is peeling away the Band-Aid and he's putting it on us and saying, it's okay. You haven't seen Jesus? It's okay. He's coming back. Your body's been in pain so long. It's okay. He's coming to make his home with us. He's making all things new. You're afraid of abandonment, rejection, darkness, death. Some of you are in the shadow of death this morning. And you're like, Jeremy, I don't know how I'm going to move on. I don't know how to believe any of this. And don't look at me. The Holy Spirit is at work, the helper, the advocate, even the spirit of truth. Take heart. Christ has not left us as orphans. But rather, he has left for us his spirit. He actually said in chapter 16, he said, it's more advantageous for me to go so that he can come. Do you believe that this morning? Jesus said, I got to go so that the spirit will come. One author said, would you rather have Christ beside you or the spirit inside you? Would you rather have Christ beside you or the spirit inside you? Jesus' answer to that question was, I have to go. I will come again. I've got to go. But in the meantime, here's my spirit. He communicates the promises and the presence and the peace of God. It's better. And he's got all the band-aids in the world to heal you up, to remind you, you are not alone. You're not an orphan. You're not a failure. Sin is not the ultimate. Death will never win. And that Jesus is making all things new. I got to rush through this last few verses, but I, I can't not read it and say a few words. So go ahead and dive in with me. Tune in, I promise this is the last leg. Verse 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. And I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. 
He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. He says, I give you peace. And peace isn't just meditating on a yoga mat. Right? Peace is a watchdog that chases away the fear and the troubles in our hearts and makes sure that we know that we are safe with God. And that's the kind of peace that Jesus gives. He says, all the wounds of the world that you've been inflicted with, I don't give gifts like the world gives gifts. Mine are better. Mine is better. I give you my spirit and his peace. And one of the things that's interesting to know, Jesus rebukes them. He says, and if you would have been for me, you would have rejoiced when I said I was going to God, right? This is what had unsettled their hearts to begin with. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled because Jesus keeps telling them, I'm going away. I'm leaving you. And so they're troubled, they're anxious, they're tired, they're lonely. He says, you should have heard that and been excited for me because I'm being reunited with the Father. And it's a good reminder for us that self-love often inhibits peace. One of the biggest things that keeps us from experiencing God's peace is love of ourselves. All these disciples wanted was what was best for them. They thought, no way, Jesus can't leave. But he said, if you would have really loved me, if you wouldn't have been looking out for your interest all the time, 24-7, talking nonstop about you, you would have been excited for me. You would have been thrilled that I'm going to the Father. We're going to be together and then I'm going to come back. And then the last thing that Jesus does is Jesus goes panorama on them. And he zooms out and he says, don't you know what God's doing? Don't you see the big picture? And that's what I want to invite any of you in, in here this morning with, with trouble and fear and anxiety in your life. I want to zoom out for a second and share with you what God is doing. Right? Jesus said, I'm about to get up from here and I'm going to go and I'm going to go obey my father, prove that I love my father I'm going to die on a cross. Rise again so that you can have life in my name. That's what I'm doing. He said, let's zoom out. I know you're really scared. I'm going. Right, okay, I get that. But don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. So the last thing I ask and leave you with is, who are we and what do we have? Like the song said, and as we're going to sing in a moment, we are who he says we are. Christ defines us. And what do we have? We have the very spirit of God. If none of this is clicking, I would love to talk to you afterwards. Matt will be down here at the front. He would love to talk to you afterwards. Or if you're just, you are a believer, but you're like, I, I don't even know. Like, what does it look like to have the spirit in my life. I'm on that journey too. I don't claim to have any of the answers, but I know that the spirit communicates the promises, the presence, and the peace of God. I'm so grateful for that. Can I pray while they make their way and we sing, I am who you say I am. Father, thank you so much that you brought us here to this place to hear this truth and our hearts struggle with truth and we struggle to believe what we're supposed to believe but I thank you Jesus that even though we don't see you right now we believe in you even though we don't see you we rejoice with joy that's inexpressible and filled with glory because you have placed your spirit in our hearts 
In spirit, I'm asking you now to rush over each of these individuals. For those who aren't in Jesus, would you cause their dead hearts to come alive? And for those of us who are struggling to believe your promises, we don't feel your presence, and we have none of your peace, spirit, would you please rush over us? Would you remind us that we are who you say we are? And that alone.